0: All right, how many of you would agree that in today's world, right now, we need more patience? Actually, let me back up. How many of you think other people need more patience? <laughs> like, every time I, I drive in certain parts of the world, I'm convinced that, that I need more patience, but then I also, I'm always reminded that other people need more patience too, right? And, and patience is an interesting uh, virtue. Um, and I've, I've kind of been brainstorming this week uh, about how a lack of patience produces a number of things. Like, uh, obviously, one thing would be short fused tempers, right? Something I've struggled with and I struggle with at times is that because of a lack of patience, it's easy to lose your temper. And then, generally speaking, who is it that gets to experience the short lived temper? The spouse or children? Or family members, or people around you, right? I mean, that's just the reality. Um, I think another aspect of not having a great sense of patience would be that we have an inability at times to experience grace because we're not taking the time to be patient and to consider it. An, another thing too that I, I'm actually kind of concerned about um, in my life and just the alive lives of. Of American followers of Jesus is that um, without patience, we have an inability to press on in the midst of persecution or suffering because we want to immediately remove those things. And so we are unable to persevere through hardship without patience. But patience was a significant uh, virtue to cultivate um, all throughout the early church. And we're in a a sermon series right now called Ancient Ferment," and what we're doing is we're talking about different dispositions or different ways that we should live our lives that um, make a difference in the world, and we've kind of hinted at how, you know, historians, scholars are very fascinated by the way that the church grew in the first 300 years of, of, of church history. It doesn't make sense considering the obstacles that faced the early Christians. Um, How did a small band of followers of Jesus grow to include millions of people all over the world, and today there are billions of people who consider themselves followers of Jesus? And so patience was a significant virtue, and and I think we've almost lost, it feels like it's true in, in major parts of society, we've almost lost the value for virtues, or the value of ancient wisdom, or ancient practices, the way that followers of Jesus did things for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years, we now oftentimes treat as if they're irrelevant or they are no longer, no longer the way that we need to live. And so what we're doing this, this, in this sermon series is we're exploring some of those various virtues, and patience is what we come upon today. In fact, um, one of the things that has been really fascinating as I've been reading on the subject of church history, specifically for the first. 400 years of church history, is that every single one of the scholars that I'm engaged in, they all note that patience was such a significant virtue in the early church. In fact, it's one of the primary things that comes up over and over again as different historians look at what made a difference in the world and what separated the early followers of Jesus from everybody else. And think about that just for a moment here. Would you not agree that that in today's world, In today's society, patient people are so different than the rest of the world. Have you found that to be true? Like, and here's the deal, like, we've talked about this. In fact, I feel like this is probably one of the things I talk about the most because I'm so, I'm fascinated and disturbed at the same time about how we are all being shaped and formed by different things. Like, make no mistake, every one of us in this room are being shaped and formed. So the question is, what are we being shaped and formed by, and what are we being shaped and formed to? But we're all being shaped and formed. And so I really do think that our society at large is, generally speaking, shaping and forming us to be impatient people. Would you agree? Like, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing how many things are created to make our lives easier and to be even faster, right? And a couple weeks ago, I talked about, like, fast food. It's, it's, it's there to make our life easier, even though it's killing us, literally, right? And there's these things in, in our world that are, that are shape, shaped, and they're shaping us to become more impatient. Because when we, get, we don't get the things that we want fast enough, what do we do? Yeah, we get upset, and we lose our tempers, and we take it out on people. I mean, you know, one of the things that is, uh, this happened early on. In fact, Doug Doug Bauman and I went to Walmart back, it was like 50 years ago last year, and (laughs) that's what it feels like, doesn't it? It's like, man, 20 years ago, but we were at Walmart, and we were talking to the manager because we were looking at doing an outreach. In fact, last year we did a couple uh, feeding programs for the local schools, and we fed all these kids in our community who did who weren't going to get food that week because school was was not meeting. And so we went to Walmart to find out, "Hey, could you provide all of this stuff?" And as we were talking to the the manager of Walmart of the groceries, she, I mean she was pretty unfriendly at first, right, Doug? It was like she was not interested in talking to us. And I, we just took the time to like, hey, how are you doing? And she stopped and basically told us that her life for however long that had been going on, three months, probably four months, was, was just filled with people taking all of their anger and, and, and issues out on her and all of her employees. And what it did is it, it helped me understand like, again, our society is not very patient. At all. Like, it's not, and she, she was saying, she's like, I can't control any of these things that are happening in the world right now. And, and so, followers of Jesus should be different. If anything, we should be, according to the teachings of the Bible and the, and the model of the early church, we should be aiming to become more patient people. Amen? We should be, our, our goal, one of the things about our lives should be that we are trying to become more patient. And That's really hard. I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that. That's something. That's probably of all the virtues that I least have. It's patience, and and every time I pray for patience, I discover that's a bad prayer. But it's actually a good prayer when it comes to being shaped in the image of Jesus. So. Patience was a significant virtue to cultivate in the early church. Listen to—this is what one one early church leader, pastor, bishop, theologian, Cyprian, said. He was a bishop in North Africa. Listen to what he says here. He says—everything about this quote, by the way, is just amazing. How many of you love words, by the way, powerful words? Do you see the value of them? Okay, yes, there's like five of you, five of us. (laughs) But I love truth. This is amazing. Cyprian says, beloved brethren, we are philosophers not in words, but in deeds. We exhibit our wisdom not by our dress, but by truth. Can I get an amen? Not by our dress, but by truth. We know virtues by their practice rather than through boasting of them. In other words, virtue signaling or gaslighting or talking about how virtuous you are, okay? No one does that here on social media, but you get my point. He then goes on to say this. We do not speak great things, but we live them. Wow. Therefore, as servants and worshipers of God, let us show by spiritual homage the patience that we learn from the heavenly teachings. For that virtue, patience, we have in common with God. We have in common with God. We have patience in common with God. How many of you are thankful that God is patient? Truly thankful for God's patience. Because patience is wrapped up in grace and mercy and love. And if you, have, if you don't have a value for the patience of God, perhaps you have not plumbed the depth of grace. Because if it were not for grace, we would not have patience. If it were not for patience, we would not have patience. Love. And so this is what the author James, the book of James, the biblical author James says about this this virtue for us. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, James 5, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. James is talking to followers of Jesus here, by the way. He says, do not grumble about each other or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy." So how do we define patience? I mean, even right now, like, what are some of the words that you would use to define patience? You know, I I was thinking about this. I think oftentimes our definition of patience um, is mostly about not being too busy and, you know, not going too fast. But listen to how patience has been defined throughout history, in English history, Um, The Webster's Dictionary of 1828 said this, it defined patience as the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. I like that, unruffled temper. I am ruffled. And then it says, endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. It adds that patience may spring from constitutional fortitude, from a kind of heroic pride, or from Christian submission to the divine will. That's how the Bible also defines patience. It, The word patience is often translated in other translations as endurance. And so there's a connection right there. So what I want to do this morning for just a few minutes here is I want to to think a little bit about about the, the question of developing patience. I want to talk about three ways to cultivate patience for us. And these are not the only ways. There's probably dozens upon dozens of ways that we could cultivate patience. But I think there are a number of ways for us to cultivate patience that would be be easy to apply into our lives um, because of the third third way, which we'll get to. But The first one is this. I think we need to look to Jesus. If we want to develop patience uh, in ourselves, if we're wanting to become more patient people, if we we hear about the virtue of patience, um, I think that we need to realize that perhaps... Actually, not perhaps the best example of patience is the ultimate model of a patient man, Jesus Christ. And look what the, the author of Hebrews fleshes this out. The, the writer of Hebrews, right after, by the way, chapter 11 of Hebrews, um, the writer of Hebrews lists this great list of different biblical characters. And, and he's talking about this faithful group of people. And this is one thing I want us to see. That, uh, that to exhibit faith or to be faithful means that you demonstrate that with your actions, okay? So like every single example of faith that the author Hebrews of Hebrews gives demonstrated their faith by what they did. And so here's what the author says here. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured... He patiently endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus is the perfect example of patience, the perfect model of patience, and um, Christian spirituality. He's, he is our model. And it's, if this whole thing is about becoming more like Jesus, then the goal is to become more like Jesus, especially in relation to patience. The more we become like Jesus, the more we are going to be patient, um, the more that we'll be patient with ourselves. How many of you realize that some people just need to really give themselves a little bit more grace? Amen? Do you, do you realize that? Like There are hosts of people that need to be more patient with themselves, and then we need to become more patient with our families, our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors, our enemies, those that we do not like. So, We need to start by looking to Jesus. I think looking to Jesus is always a great start. Secondly, I think we need to be thankful that trials produce patience. And I'm just telling you right now, saying that out loud seems dangerous. Isn't it? Like, oh, trials and suffering will help us grow. (laughs) Not that I want to experience trials or suffering, or growth. But, but it does. It does. Suffering and going through trials and tribulations does develop us, and we have the opportunity to respond in a way that develops patience, or we can respond in a way that does not develop patience. But God is in the midst of, of every aspect of our lives. This is something that I think we really need to flesh out for a moment. Like, I think it's probably true that most of us in this room would, when we pray the Lord's prayer, right, when we pray, um, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we, we would gather, we would all agree that we want God's kingdom to come and be here, amen? Like, we want it to be here now. Like, if you know people who are sick or suffering, don't you want to just lay hands on them and pray for immediate relief from that situation? And I want to tell you, God does respond to that. I've seen healings. I know many of you have seen healings. I believe that that happens. But at the same time, too, sometimes things Don't go the way that we want them, and people have to continue suffering through something. And here's the problem is that in some church traditions, the assumption is that God is absent. God is not at work. But I want to tell you that God is with us in the midst of suffering and sorrow and grief. Amen? He's with us. And so we need to really consider how how God is present and, and the fact that he is present in the midst of these trials, and we need to trust God a little bit more. And we need to see that things are being developed in us. It doesn't mean that we don't stop praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Bring healing, bring restoration, bring relief, bring, bring freedom. But we also have to trust that in the midst of those challenges, God is at work and he is present. It's not like he's absent from those situations. And so we need to be thankful that trials produce patience. You know, no one wants to undergo suffering. Like I don't, if we just said, all right, if you want to experience God's presence right now and you want to go through some suffering, stand up right now. No one would stand up, probably. Some of you are probably weird enough to do it, so we're not going to do it. But, right? so of you are like, I'm so holy. Right? Am I right? I mean, like, we're not looking to suffer. You know, like, we're not excited about that. But I think we need to realize that, that in the midst of that, there are unexpected results, and oftentimes if we're following Jesus and if we are welcoming the leading of the Holy Spirit, the result will be our, our growth, our development, our, our becoming more like Jesus, and trials develop patience. That's, that's all I'm trying to get at. In fact, this is what James says. When I was a kid, um, I, went to a, I went to a private school in high school. I went to this um, very conservative Baptist fundamentalist high school. And so I had to wear ties. It was one of the schools. I had a tie. I thought this was the coolest tie. I was like, if I'm going to get ties, I'm going to get cool ties. And I had this one tie that had cards on it. And I got sent home because you couldn't even have cards on your tie because we weren't allowed to go to movies either. And it was very, very legalistic and And conservative and all those type of things when it came to just the way that we could cut our hair and things like that. But I'll tell you one thing that I loved about that time is that every single week we had to memorize large portions of Scripture. We had to learn four different passages of Scripture and then once a quarter we'd have to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible, which now I'm like, a whole chapter? But all these scriptures got planted inside of my heart, and this is one that I'll never forget. James, chapter one, verses two through three. "My brethren, count it all joy. That's crazy talk in today's culture and society. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it joy. That seems so crazy. But that's what James says. He says, count it all joy. Count it as a privilege and an opportunity to honor God through the midst of the most crazy, terrible thing. Because in the midst of those terrible, crazy things, God is at work, and he's developing you. I mean, this is, you know, something that I've been watching with my dad, you know, as my dad's going through this really crazy season of life with fighting cancer, is that when I'm sitting in the room with him, and I'm watching him suffer in a way that is, it is unexplainable, it's hard to even fathom mentally, but what I see is God is at work in the midst of this, and his faith is what's causing him to continue to press into Jesus and the kingdom, and, and he's able to simultaneously long for God's presence and healing and kingdom, just like many of us in this room are longing for the kingdom to come, but at the same time, simultaneously being able to to express and experience and, and also value the work of God in that moment. And that's what following Jesus is about. Amen? That's what it looks like. It looks like even though we're suffering through the pains and trials of this world, we still have joy. Why do we have joy? Because when we think about the the question of who do we belong to, we know that the answer is we belong to Jesus. We are not our own. We belong to him. We know who we are and we know where we will end up. And that's why we don't need to live our lives in complete and utter fear to be controlled by, by, by the, the fears of society in the world. We actually can, we can have joy in the midst of these things. So the first thing is to look to Jesus. That's the first way I think we can cultivate patience. The second way is to be, to be thankful that trials produce patience. But the third thing is the Holy Spirit produces patience. The Holy Spirit is at work developing us. Patience, I mean, if we're honest... Requires power, doesn't it? Like to to stand in the midst of suffering and sorrows and challenges, whatever they are, whatever you would count as suffering or as a an obstacle or, or pain or grief. To stand in the midst of that requires some type of otherworldly strength and power, doesn't it? And so who provides that is God. God Himself, the Spirit provides that through us. The Holy Spirit is is actually working in your lives. This is something that I find so interesting about about people. Like I get texts and phone calls and emails from people all the time who are like, I'm just really struggling right now. I just don't think that I'm growing enough. I'm I'm not I'm not living for Jesus enough in the ways that I want to. Some of you in this room like I just am not I'm not really I'm not really doing everything that I can for Jesus and the kingdom. And can I just tell you that I think that the people who aren't concerned about that are the ones that we need to worry about. Amen? Every single time that you feel like you want to sacrifice for God something, or surrender something to God, or become more holy, to be more involved and engaged in the work of the kingdom, is an evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Amen? Like, so when you're feeling that, you should, you should, I'm not saying stop feeling it. Well, Pastor Luke told me not to care about serving God anymore. No. What I'm saying is that that is an evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. And what we have to realize is that that is what is happening in us as followers of Jesus. There's this really cool thing where we're both working our salvation out, we're working it out, we're, we're living lives engaged in the process of discipleship and development, and God is also working things in. It's a, it's a relational partnership. That's what this is all about, is a following Jesus is a, is a relationship thing. So this is what we see in, in Scripture. In Galatians chapter 5, The Holy Spirit inside of us gives us the ability to practice patience and other virtues. So this is what what Paul says. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. Let's try that again. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control, there is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. He produces fruit in our lives. And we need to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And that's really important for us, I think, to think about, is how this is a partnership. Like following Jesus and walking in the Spirit is a relational partnership. It's not, it's not one way. It's not just directed or us directed. It's both of us, the, the, the Lord and us. It's, it's the Spirit of God in us responding to God's work. Responding to God's work. That's why I, I think that we have to really like plumb that a little bit more too, is this relational aspect of our faith. Let's stand up together. We look to Jesus. These are three ways. There's many other ways. We, we look to Jesus. If we want to develop and cultivate faith, we look to Jesus. We need to be thankful that trials and suffering and grief and sorrows are able to develop more patience in our lives. And then thirdly, we need to realize that this is, this is something that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. That's what this Holy Spirit is doing. And so this morning I was, actually not just this morning, this whole, this whole week I've been thinking about, about um, patience, obviously. It's been something I've been thinking about for months, actually, um, as I've been kind of preparing and thinking about what was the season that God was calling us to be and what are some of the virtues that we need more of. And I think that we all would agree that we could use more patience, right? We need that. Which then means that we need more of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, right? And I just feel like, um, depending on where you're at in your faith, I know sometimes it feels like the whole Holy Spirit thing is just kind of like, what is that about? And like, we might know that the Orthodox Trinitarian answer that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. There's one God, one being, who's Equal in three persons. We might know all these things, but it's like the Holy Spirit seems so foreign. Like Jesus, we can kind of get, right? Jesus, good human, fully God, fully man, lived on earth, sinless, died on a cross for us. We go to church, we celebrate communion, we're reminded of his death. Easter is when he is, uh, we remember his resurrection, right? We can think about God the Father, but the Holy Spirit for some of us is just like, what's all that about? And this is the thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. The Holy Spirit is God. Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not this force. It is relation. We have to have a relational approach to the Holy Spirit. And so I really believe this is what separates, not separates, that's a bad word. This is what makes us distinct from other church traditions. We believe that the Holy Spirit still is active today. He's at work, and not just in the charismatic speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing and all those things. The Holy Spirit is at work in every area of our lives. Our discipleship is contingent on the Spirit's work, and so that's why I, like for years as a charismatic, I've been wanting to ask, and I've been posing this question amongst us charismatics is, how else might the Holy Spirit be at work? How else might the Holy Spirit be at work? Might the Holy Spirit be at work in the midst of the conflicts that we are going through with our friends and our family that are relational in nature? Might there be spaces for us to be able to glorify God? Might there be spaces for us to to pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, would you be engaged in giving me more patience before I kill this person? Right? Right? Amen? Like, might he want to prevent you from killing someone? He would. I like how some of you are like, I'm not really sure. I'll be honest. The Spirit is at work, okay? So here's what I want to just suggest for a moment. I want to suggest that we have a prayer in the vineyard. It's not just a vineyard prayer. It's It's a prayer that goes back for centuries, where we pray, come Holy Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit. And it's not because the Holy Spirit's been, been waiting. I, I hope that they invite me. Because we do believe that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is present. The Bible teaches that every follower of Jesus has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We, we believe that as a church. You don't have to like do a certain thing to get it. You have to simply become a follower of Jesus and welcome the Spirit's presence and the Spirit will respond to that. Okay, But have you noticed how when we ask for the Holy Spirit to come, we say, hey, let's close our eyes. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And then about 37 seconds later, we wrap it up and we're out of here. Have any of you noticed? Is that just me? That's what I do. But what if, what if, what if the Holy Spirit actually wants to respond to that prayer and show up? Yeah, we do have to respond, but don't we have to also wait for him? Yeah, and this is what I'm finding in my life. Like, I'm finding that we're so quick sometimes. We're so impatient to get to lunch because I'm already hungry too. But we don't actually take the time to wait for the Holy Spirit. And so let's just do that for a moment. Would you do that with me? Let's wait. Let's invite the Holy Spirit right now. Let's press into whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do right now in this moment And specifically inviting him to engage our hearts and our lives and our minds in relation to patience. And so we do. We just are standing before you, Lord. For those who are able to stand, for those who are unable, who are sitting, God, we're postured before you right now. And It is our prayer for you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. We again do not pray that prayer, Lord, because we don't believe you've You've been here before and haven't been here this morning. We know that you have. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are, we are proclaiming and we are inviting you to be active right now. We want your presence. We want your activity. And so just with everybody's eyes closed right now and heads bowed and just postured before God, we're just waiting. This is something that I feel like the Lord's been teaching me a lot for the last 20 years, is that waiting on God is, is, is good, and he responds to that. And I believe with all of my heart, because of who God is, he is, he is love, he is good, he is kind, he is gracious, he is merciful. I believe that God's characteristics and his personality and and his being, the essence of his being is that he is a God of love. He wants to respond to our prayer right now. When you say in your heart, come Holy Spirit, would you engage with me right now? Would you be active in my life? I believe with all of my heart that God does want to do that. And so it is our prayer right now, come Holy Spirit. So a couple of things I, I, in addition to praying for God's work of patience, just with everybody's eyes closed and again just posture before God, I just I, I sense that there um, there's a number of people in the room right now. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's just the the word confusion kind of popped into my my mind that it seems confusing the idea of of walking in the Spirit and being a person who is empowered and lives. Um, relationally with the Holy Spirit there's like just some confusion about that in your life you just feel kind of confused so I want to I want to pray for that I want to pray for that I also feel like there are a couple of you and I really do think there's just like two or three people that every, it's almost like every day, I just, the sense is every single day for a while now, you have been feeling compelled by God to say or to do something. And it's like you, every single day, you're, you're wrestling with yourself. Like you, you haven't yet done that or said, said the things or carried it out, but you, you clearly know that God is speaking to you and leading you to, to, to do something. And there's maybe some fear, um, there's maybe a lack of confidence that's, that's keeping you, preventing you from doing that, but I, I feel like the Lord right now wants to give you um, confidence and boldness. God actually wants to fill you up with His Holy Spirit this morning so that you can have confidence, boldness as you move forward doing and obeying the things that Jesus has invited you to Does that that resonate with anybody in the room? Yeah? A number of you? Okay. So we're going to pray for three things. We're going to pray for that. Um, We're going to pray for anybody who feels like they want to have and invite God to develop the virtue of patience more. And then we're going to pray for the first the first concern to the first issue the, the idea that the Holy Spirit is it's just confusing and so uh, we're not going I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward right now. Um, what I want to do is I'd love to have us pray as a church community um, our, our value here at the vineyard one of the one of the values is we believe something called everybody gets to play and what that means is that there's no superstars here like everybody here If you're a follower of Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that that lives in me lives in you. So there's no like superstars here. Everybody gets to participate and play. Um, Now, I'm not sure. Like, I've been really thinking that what's the comfort level of where we're at with things in the world. But I would love to have us pray as a community. So here's what we're going to do, okay? We're not going to lay hands on people just because I don't want to go through the rigmarole of filling out right hand if you're okay with it, left hand if you're not. Uh, We're not going to do that. If you would like prayer, though, and you you identify with either being confused about living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you want prayer in relation to um, the the second thing, which I totally forgot what it was already, but it was probably something, oh, uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, I know patience. The second one, what was the second one? Sure, whatever that was developed by the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, okay? Here's the point. If you want prayer, where, where you're at, would you just put your hand up right now? Just say, I would like prayer. Just keep it up right now, okay? If you're, if you're saying, I would love prayer in any of those areas, okay? So here's what we're gonna do, okay? Um, if you're around someone with their arm, uh, their hand up, you don't have to participate now, but if you are, would you just, just turn your body towards them and stretch out your hand towards that person, Okay, there's somebody right here. There's somebody right here. There's two people right here. You, you can get out of your chair. It's totally okay to do that. Just, you know, go, like, come close. Come. Come physically distance close. So awkward. So awkward. And then we're just going to pray right now. So here's the prayer. We're going to pray for the, the Holy Spirit to come. And so I want to I wanna encourage you right now. Just pray. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now, would you fill every single one of these people up? Would you give them grace? Would you give them more patience? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for you to meet every single one of their needs. Pause really quick here. Pause for a second. So, I had this opportunity once to go to a Korean... Um, Presbyterian church. And so Presbyterians tend to be pretty quiet. Father, um, I think for all of us, God, what does it look like? What does it mean to have a more relational approach to our faith? This week, would you help us to walk this out more? Would you help us to be more sensitive to your voice? God, I pray that you you would speak to us and we would be more sensitive to hearing your voice, your leading, your direction, your guidance. And then secondarily, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to those invitations, those nudges, those directions, those guidances, God. We pray that you would would help us to hear them and then also respond to them. And so we lift up all these different needs that are represented in this room. We pray for healing. We pray for, God, we pray for you to help us with any sense of confusion when it comes to faith and relationship and the journey that we are on with you. We pray that you would would develop perseverance and patience in our lives. And God, we pray that you would help us in this room for those of us who have clearly sensed, heard, and felt those nudges from you, that you would help us to walk those things out. Would you, Holy Spirit, fill every person in this room? Fill us with your presence and your power. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your presence and your power for your greater glory and so that we can bless people in our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, Jesus. We look forward to being together again next week. We pray this in your name. Amen. Folks, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.